Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. We are at episode 10, which means it's time for another Q&A. I cannot, first, I cannot believe we are already at episode 10, um, but here we are nonetheless. And so let's dive on in. So remember, every fifth episode of this podcast is going to be Q&A. It's going to be questions that I get from you as followers and my answers, the best that I can give um, so that, you know, we're all learning because that's that's the beauty of this platform to me. That's the beauty of having this podcast is that we all get to learn from each other. I learn from you through these questions because it really allows me to reflect and think about how do I handle these situations? What would I do in that situation if it was me? And I get to share that information with you through this podcast. So without further ado, let's jump on in. The first question I got was a good one. It was one that I really had to do some thinking because I totally related to it. And that was, how do you deal with a colleague when they are continuously trying to get into a confrontation? So the follower explained that she and this other colleague have the same position in special education, but they approach things 100% differently. And the interesting part is the answer that I'm going to give today is so different, so different from the answer I would have given probably even a year ago, because Confrontation and I, we have not been friends for a really long time, Um, to the point that if I were to see someone in the hallway that I didn't get along with, I... No shame here, but I would purposely turn around or I would find somewhere else to go. I would avoid that person. So yeah, there's the function of that behavior. It was full on avoidance. I I don't like confrontation. I still don't like confrontation, but I can handle it in a much more expected way than than running and hiding. And so what I'm going to share with you today is what I have learned to do over the past year, past couple years to really establish the relationship because at the end of the day, That's what it comes down to. So we often talk so much about building this relationship with our students in our class, but this, to answer this question, we really have to talk about how do we build that relationship with this colleague, with this staff member. And, And ultimately that rapport building is huge. So how are we connecting with our colleagues? How are we getting to know our colleagues outside of school? Because In school, sure, we might have this disagreement, we might have this confrontation, but where do we connect? Where is the connection? Where is the similarities? Because we know once we can find those, once we can find that connection, then it becomes community over competition all day long. And I really emphasize the earlier, the better, right? Once, we, once we're once we in this mode of confrontation with a staff, even if we're not the ones initiating it, it's a lot harder, right? It's like an ongoing power struggle, an ongoing conflict cycle. And so instead, I look to build rapport with staff as soon as I can. I connect with them. I let them know, hey, this is who I am, but I also want to know who you are. I want to get to know them outside of school, maybe not necessarily hanging out outside of school, but I want to know who they are outside of the school building. What do they like to do? Because again, that's where that connection comes from. 
Because here's the key. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to unpack this in just a little bit. But someone that's looking for confrontation, I truly believe they're trying to learn. They're trying to get something out of me that they don't see in themselves. And so when I can spin that, when I can look at it and I can connect with them on something outside of work, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me to have that conversation when I do disagree with something in practice and not disagree that it's a bad thing. I think sometimes we get in our heads that disagreement is a bad thing. Guys, disagreement is where we grow from. Whether we're disagreeing with staff or a student, that's where my growth comes from because that's where I learn new things. If I'm staying in my own lane, then I'm not able to learn new things. And while I may not be able to change someone else's behavior, who's seeking that confrontation, how I react and respond when that person talks is how ultimately I change my behavior. And that's where the ripple effect comes into play. When I change my behavior, I can change other things around me. So something in addition to this, we've talked about rapport building, we've talked about connecting. Some other things that I've changed are the standards by which I live. So I, I mentioned what my standard was before. If I saw someone that I was potentially going to be in a confrontation with, I ran the other direction. Now I get to choose the standards by which I live. And those standards are, I have the ability to learn from anyone and every experience. Every situation I am in, I am a part of the problem and the solution. And if someone is triggering me, what part of myself do I see in that trigger? So those are pretty intense, right? So let's unpack those a little bit more. All right, that first one, I have the ability to learn from anyone in every experience. Guys, I just mentioned, I used to believe that disagreeing with people was wrong, that I would run from the confrontation because I thought what I had to say didn't matter. Remember, I grew up wanting to be quiet. I wanted to hide. And so to do that, I learned to just agree with everyone instead of actually forming my own opinion. And as an adult, I've learned differently, but I still have to remind myself every single day that differences are okay. And a big reason I'm sharing this with you is because I see so many of our students who also have trouble disagreeing with their peers. They really struggle to voice their opinion and then stick to their opinion. And that's where I struggled with, and, and I still do. This is an ongoing battle with myself that I still work on. You know, I, I'll voice my opinion and I'll listen to someone else who maybe comes across in a confrontational way. And I have to really remind myself to stand loud and proud, to stand tall with confidence that it's okay if we disagree. It's okay if we don't see eye to eye. I can learn from her and she can learn from me. And so how did I do this? I taught myself sentence starters for when I was going to agree with people. I wrote them down on a post-it and I keep them, they're still there. I keep them right on my computer, right on my laptop. So when I'm open, when my laptop is open and I'm sitting in a meeting and, I, and I'm ready to disagree, but I need that little oomph, I need that little reminder, I look down and I see, I see the words. I understand that. And what was your thought process there? Can you walk me through it? I hear you and that might be true. And you can hear that. Use and instead of but. And guys, this goes for any conversation. When we use the word but, we cut the conversation off. 
and we want to keep it going. And so we want to keep this going and we do that through and. It goes when we're talking to adults, to parents, to staff, to kids, you name it. Another thing I've learned to do is I've learned to trust in my thoughts. Guys, my thoughts are mine, your thoughts are yours, they come from your experience. And while I'm always open to learning more, I've also learned to trust in who I am. And of course, this did not happen overnight, this happened with practice. Just like learning to tie a shoe, learning how to bake a cake, we can learn skills like confidence, like trusting in who we are. And of course, as so many things do, it happens with small, simple, strategic steps at a time. And while I was learning more about me, I learned that my lens is my lens. No one else shares my complete lens of life that I do, and that's a beautiful thing. See, I can get frustrated when someone is confronting me, or I'm in a confrontation, or I can get fascinated by it. I can learn to take a step back and see things from someone else's perspective, not because I want to change mine, but because I am always learning and growing. When I get fascinated, I grow. And when I grow, I learn. And I continue to share my story and my experiences because I'm coming from that growth mindset. What meaning can I pull from this confrontation? What can I learn or what can I share in this situation? All right, the second thing I want to unpack is every situation I am in, I am a part of the problem and the solution. And this one, this one was really tough at the beginning. It really took me time to realize I'm a part of it. You mean I'm a part of this problem? Yeah, I absolutely am. Because if I'm a part of the amazing situations of my life, I also play a part, a role in the challenging parts. And I definitely say confrontation is one of those difficult parts for sure. Guys, something I've learned is that projection is perception. In a confrontation, in a conversation, I'm sharing my perception and my colleague is also sharing theirs. So when I break down the confrontation into these parts, it's easier for my brain to comprehend it. A confrontation is two people sharing their opinions and one is doing so more dominantly than the other. And anyone I have felt confronted by I go and have a conversation with. That has been a skill I've had to learn. Instead of holding that grudge, instead of avoiding them and turning around and running away, I hold the conversation. Because instead of getting frustrated, I'm getting fascinated. And I remember who I am. I anchor in that. I anchor in who I am. In that conversation, I set an agenda. I set the framework and I set the stage for how I feel what in what's going on. I start with something like, you know, we come from different opinions. We have different perspectives and I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm wondering how we can learn to learn from one another because I feel defeated every time we talk and I know there's got to be a better way. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Guys, confrontations are really like power struggles. I see them as the dominant person not feeling trusting enough in who they are, or they see something in me that they don't have in themselves, so they use that verbal force, that intensity to get their point across. They question, they argue, and at the end of the day, I still can only control what I do, how I respond, and how I react. And so for me, 
I choose to respond with patience, with compassion, with understanding that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. And my ability to connect with this staff member comes through that conversation, comes through talking to them about non-related school things, comes through sharing my story. And it comes from setting the stage, having that conversation to let them know how I feel, how we can work together on this, and how we can see things from different perspectives so that we can get to ultimately what we're all doing as educators, which is educating the students that we work with on a daily basis. All right, the last one I wanted to unpack is if someone is triggering me, what part of me do I see in that trigger? So simply put, we all have things we continue to work on. We all have skills we want to grow, and that includes all of us, adults, kids, you name it. So if I'm triggered by confrontation, what is it about confrontation that I need to learn from? And this was a statement I made for years. I told you I hated confrontation. In all honesty, I still don't love it. And the skill I needed and really still need to learn is that 100% belief and trust in my statements. Trusting that what I do and say is perfect for the moment. And then that's when the reflection and the learning happens. So all right, let's head back, because I've been chatting now for, for quite a few minutes about this question. Let's head back to that original question. How do you deal with a colleague when they are continuously trying to get into a confrontation? All right, so let's review. One, get to know your colleagues early in the year. Two, just like our challenging kids we want more time with, same with confrontational adults. Get to know them on a more deeper level. Number three, Set the stage through a conversation about how confrontation impacts you and how you will respond if and when it happens. Step four, use disagreement sentences to start to hold yourself accountable if and when you find yourself in that disagreement. And step five is trust and own it. Be yourself and remain open to new ideas while remaining truthful to who you are. Guys, this was such a great question and often one I do get a lot because working with adults is hard, especially when we don't see eye to eye. We aren't always meant to. We don't have to agree with everyone. And if someone is continually coming to you with negative words, tone, volume, you name it, have a conversation. State the impact it's having and problem solve together. If you are willing and if not, Stay truthful to who you are and learn to walk away in strength whenever you need to. All right, so the next question I received, it's a good one too, and really, it really relates to that first question. So the second question I got is, how do I stay personally connected without taking things personally? And the easy answer is practice. <laughs> so that's the easiest and yet the, the most complex answer I can give is I kept practicing. So again, this was a really great question for me because it really allowed me time to reflect on where I was, where I've been, and how far I've come with this intentional practice. Guys, in the past, I fully owned that I had no idea how to do this. I would spend hours upon hours thinking about the day, overanalyzing every single move I made and everything I did, and I would rip myself apart for how I would have done it. I remember dr the drives home with tears. I would come home and couldn't even eat dinner because I was so busy analyzing every single move I had made. I was taking everything personally, everything my kids did, 
everything my parents did, everything everyone did, including myself, I took it all personally. I wasn't able to connect with my students and staff and, and remain like personally disconnected, basically. I agonized over those choices I had made and I felt defeated every single day. And then my mindset shifted. As I shared all about in episode eight about my mindset shift, I started to focus on me. I invested in personal development and I regained an awareness of who I was so that I learned who I was outside of anyone else. See, when I was taking things as personally as I was, they were defining me. They were creating this definition of who I was. And and ultimately, I was giving away my power, my control, and my authenticity because I didn't know what those looked like for me. Through the work, through this personal development, through this mindset shifting work, I learned who I was. And the question I had to ask myself was, who is Lindsay? And so now when I'm faced with a challenge, when I want to take things personally, because yes, it still happens, here's what I do instead. I proactively have a routine set up that starts with me. I explained about this in episode eight, but my morning routine and my environment, it's set up to remind me of who I am and what my purpose and my passion for life is. I start every single day serving myself before I serve others. I also surround myself with mentors, coaches, people that will continue to inspire and motivate me to grow and learn. The uh, next thing I do is when I feel resentment, I feel frustration, you know what I'm talking about, that ache in your heart for when we take things personally, I pause. It takes time. And, And I take some time for myself, whether that's one minute, two minutes, an hour, It might be after school, it might be over the weekend, but it happens. I can't move forward until I figure out where that feeling is coming from and what's the message. What's the message I'm meant to learn? And I do that by journaling, I talk, I get it out and I reflect. And then I give myself grace, I reread my goals, my values, my mission statement, and I keep showing up and I keep moving forward. There isn't one set thing that I have found that will stop you from taking things personally. It's the ability, though, to show up, to reflect, and to know when you took things personal, (laughs) when you took things personal, and making an actionable change to better define who you are outside of anyone or anything else. And guys, that happens through practice. So again, that's what I started with. That's what I'm going to finish with for this question is practice. And we're looking for progress over perfection. All right. Keep practicing. Keep living into who you are. Because when you do that, you will learn how to get personally connected without taking things personally. All right. Last question I want to chat about today is how do I confidently lead in my classroom? I have a co-teacher and other support staff that come into my room and I struggle to stick to my truth when they come into the room. And this is such a great question. We actually dove into this a little bit on in my coaching group program, Ignite Your Legacy. And we talked all about having a mission statement. So this is where for something like this, my biggest suggestion is to ground yourself in a permanent product. Right. If we are grounding things in our mind, no one else can read our minds. 
sometimes we even struggle to read, at least I do, I struggle to read my own mind. But when I have a concrete mission statement that explains what the values of my classroom are, what the, the expectations, what the environment, when I have that mission statement on paper, that concrete plan for my room, for our room, then anybody that comes into it gets to read it and gets to own it. And when you are creating it, you're going to ask the support staff, your paras, the, your co-teacher, related service providers, you're going to ask their opinions. You're going to listen to their ideas and you're going to incorporate their thoughts into this mission statement. This mission statement is something to write as a team. And if you have new staff coming in, because I often hear if I have Actually, so I did this with one of my classrooms. I did this later on um, in my, I think it was my fourth year teaching. And I had um, created this, this mission statement, but I didn't do it with everybody's input. And it really, the buy-in wasn't there. So what I've learned from that is we've got to do things as a team effort. And then what if, you know, you have a new staff member come into your classroom. So one, you're going to show them this. You're going to use it as your teaching tool. But mission statements, guys, they need to be reviewed. And so I would make it a priority, maybe every quarter, a couple times a year at least, that you're sitting down with your team and you're reviewing it. That way, when you do have a new staff member come in, they may not initially have been a part of it, but they're going to be a part of it when you do that, that review, that update. All right. Another thing you can do is to be this to be the leader in your classroom. You got to model what you want to see. And I know it sounds easy, but it's it actually is really hard because not only are we modeling for the students in our room, we've also got to be modeling for the staff in our room. And I like to do that through a sequence called behavior skills training. So it's a four step process. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to teach. You're going to teach your staff what is the explicit instruction of the skill that you are teaching. So maybe it's using a visual schedule. Maybe it's teaching a student how to do a three bin independent drawer system. Maybe it's teaching a student how to wash their hands with backward or forwards chaining. Whatever it is, you're going to identify what you're teaching and you're going to teach it to your staff then you're going to model it. You're gonna model what your expectations are. The third step in behavior skills training is you're gonna allow your staff time to role play it. Role playing it outside of the scenario because what the fourth piece that is so crucial is we've gotta provide feedback. We've gotta let staff know what they did well and we've gotta let staff know where what changes they need to make. Because if we aren't doing that, if we're not giving the feedback, why would their behavior change, right? Their behavior is going to change based on our feedback, which is the last step of that training sequence. So we're gonna teach it, we're gonna model it, we're gonna allow them time to role play, and then we're gonna give feedback. And that is, for me, that's how you confidently lead in your classroom. You start with a permanent product, a concrete plan through your mission statement. You get to know your staff. You're asking them their opinions. You're listening to their ideas. You're having conversations with them. And similar to question one, you're going to have conversations with them about things both in school as well as outside of school. Get to know them as the person they are. You're going to then model what you want to see, and you're going to incorporate that modeling into your behavior skills training as you are teaching them the skills, that the expectations that you have for the classroom. Whew. 
All right, you guys, so many amazing themes in today's episode. I, I started with this, but I absolutely love the Q&As. I love knowing what is it that my followers want more of? And, and you know, ironically enough, so many of the questions I get is do relate to mindset, which is huge. It's what I've learned. It's not about finding the perfect strategy. It's not about finding the perfect fix. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Kids, adults, none of us are here to be fixed. We fix things, things that get broken. No person is ever broken. And so mindset shifting is how I've learned to truly gain back my life because I'm able to see things through a more open lens, through an expansive lens. And so when I get questions like this, I know I I, I truly trust and know that this is the this is the I don't know the degree, the pathway. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but kind of where we need to go with this. Because when we have trust within ourselves, I truly believe anything is possible. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love it if you would review and subscribe and share this out to others and tag me in it so that you know we are we are all this one big community. And I, I love hearing from you. Again, your messages, your comments, your questions are what guide future podcast episodes. So let me know what it is that you are looking for. And also don't forget, I am on many of the social media platforms. I have a website, defineuniversity.com, Y-O-U, where you can subscribe for weekly freebies that come your way every Sunday. I have a Facebook group, Define University, where it is full of trainings, motivations, inspirations for educators alike, as well as you can find me on Instagram, doing my morning messages, giving out free content. You guys know where to find me, lindsay.titus828. And in addition to that, I do have two upcoming one-day workshops coming up really soon. On March 12th, I will be in Providence, Rhode Island. And on March 13th, I will be in Manchester, New Hampshire. Both are full-day workshops where I am sharing tips, tricks, and inspiration for working with your most difficult, challenging students. For more information or to register, go to brianmendler.com and follow the Regional Seminars tab. And that is all I've got today for you guys for episode 10. I Again, thank you so much. I am truly blown away that we are at episode 10 and it's just so fun recording for you guys every week and seeing you guys fall in love with the episodes as much as I love recording them for you. So until next time, have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.